Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Fintan, you're very welcome to episode three of Scaling Your Business. Hi, John. Uh, Ray, nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for... Yeah, inviting. yeah. Thanks for joining me. Um, well, look, this, this podcast is all around kind of the what we've identified as 13 business blind spots that can, you know, impact an otherwise healthy business. And I, with guests, I'd like to jump into three to four of those particular blind spots that they've, they're continuously working on overcoming. And, and in some cases, they've almost mastered them. Uh, and the four that we're, we're, we're talking about today are one, accountability, two, tying corporate goals to personal ones, three, learned helplessness, and four, capturing best practices. But before I jump into that, something I like to open the mic to those joining me and, and, and kind of from their point of view, give me a 30 second background on who you are and how you got to where you are today. Sure, yeah. Um, so my name is Fintan Murphy and I run a company called Dams and Cloud. Um, and my kind of 30 seconds, I suppose, uh, as my brother would say, who's also my business partner, I've never had a real job. <laughs> so I've always run my own business pretty much um, from when I was about uh, 19 years of age and started out as an IT support business. And then very early on, very, very early on, we, we kind of saw the cloud as, as been the next big thing. Really, my brother did and pushed us, pushed us into that area. We have been a Google partner uh, for 10 years and we've been selling cloud solutions of some kind or web 2.0 as they were then um, for, for 11 plus 12 years. So we really got into it before it was cool, as they say. <laughs> um, and over the last... Uh, couple of years, two or three years, really, we've seen exceptional growth. I think remote working, obviously, at the moment and uh, cloud solutions have, have kind of b- become the, the be all and end all um, at the moment. And so we've seen huge growth in, in our business really in, in recent years. But it's the overnight success that took a decade and a half. You know, it's that sort of <laughs> so typical thing. You've been uh, you've been working remotely probably 10 years before everyone else then. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what we've been helping people with, particularly actually um, with the pandemic at the beginning. It, it was really, you know, we were busy, but not necessarily with new work. It was just helping our own customers kind of going, hey, Dams and Finch and Donald, you guys have been doing this for 10 years. How do we run a remote team? Do you know what I mean? How do we keep morale up? How do we track, you know, tasks? How do we keep people engaged when they're all working from home? You guys have been doing this for, for a decade, you know? So that was really the, the questions that we started to get at the beginning. Um, and, and obviously as the, the year ro- rolled on, it, it changed, but at the start, March, April, that was really the kind of questions we were getting, you know? So awesome. The company name you've just mentioned there, Damson, um, I'd regret it if I didn't ask you to tell the story of the origins <laughs> of the name. I saw it on your website and brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, the name, the name of your company is like really important the day you're picking it and then after that it's just the name do you know what I mean yeah. to you and and it's really funny I can still remember myself and, and Donald sitting down in my parents kitchen because started the bedroom from started in in my bedroom the, the company originally um when I was 19 20 and I can remember us just trying to decide back in 2004 2005 what would we call the company um and and sitting there googling names uh, to see if the name was taken and 
we used to have a tree house in our backyard in my, my parents' old house. Uh, and I say a tree house, it was more of a tree platform, but it was a tree house to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a damson tree. My dad used to make kind of dams and jam and things like that out of it. And so, yeah, we wanted something that was personal to us. It sounded like a good, strong name. Um, and yeah, that's what we settled on that day. And then we kind of changed it from dams and technology to dams and cloud when we moved. We technically set up a new business with the dams and cloud part. Um, which was sort of later on, do you know what I mean? Nice. Uh, Damson's, Damson's maintained itself all the way through and including we, we merged with another company, Catalytic in the UK, um, our colleague Raheem, who's, who's since uh, left the business. Um, and yeah, even through that, we, we maintained the name. So we, we, we felt it was nice to have that kind of personal story as well. Awesome. And uh, is such tree still standing? Uh, the tree is still there. Um, my parents don't own the house anymore, so uh, we don't have access to the tree anymore. But I do actually have, people obviously won't be able to see this in the podcast, but uh, I have a, a piece of the tree, which my dad ah. is a is a, a wood turner um, nice. for his uh, hobby. And he sort of yeah. turned this uh, piece of the, the tree into a, a beautiful kind of abstract piece of art for, for those of you listening. <laughs> yeah, well... People can watch it as well, uh, just to see that clip of the. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can put up a picture. Yeah, yeah, we'll put up <laughs> as well. Um, well, look, let's let, let's jump into this. These these four areas. First area I'd like to start with is accountability. Uh, you're the CEO, one of the co-founders of the business. So, uh, as that, how do you evaluate your performance to kind of confirm whether you've met your expectations or not? Like, do you have a coach, someone you share stuff with, a group of people you talk to? I know you mentioned that your brother is your partner in the business yeah 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 and, and i think it's it's a really interesting question and i think it's something that business owners need to figure out and they need to get right early on um and it's certainly something we didn't get right at the beginning do you know what i mean and and it was something that we learned over over trial and error as as so many um so many business owners do but i i, I do think it is really really important um to have that accountability either to each other as you say if you're if you're uh, partnering in a business with several people um we in the early days we joined several business groups and they were valuable you uh, excuse me bounce ideas off each other and and to have that accountability i think accountability you know, you know, as human beings, we're, we're, we're devils for letting, our, letting stuff slip and, you know, whether it's going to the gym or, you know, whatever the case may be. And being your own boss, it is a challenge. Do you know what I mean? And so you need to have that accountability. And whether that's, you know, someone who's, you know, just helping you out, a friend doing it for free or whether that's a business coach. Um, I think it's vital to the success of your business. And we, we now in, in the, the latter half of the business, we have a, a business coach, a permanent business coach and um, that we work with on a, on a regular basis. And we, we meet with J Jamie is the chap's name and uh, meet with Jamie at least uh, once a month, if not more frequently. We try for every, every two weeks, but not always possible when you're busy, but important to keep that regularity as well. Um, and that was where we would set our overarching goals, you know, of, of what we're, you know, what we would like to achieve um, and, and assign them to, to different um, executives in the business, uh, myself or Donal. And then we may, we may get someone else in the business to, to work on that, you know, or work on a, a subtask of that project, but then coming back and saying, you know, within, within that, that space, you know, have you done this, Fintan? And, 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 and that I am accountable as the CEO, you know, to, uh, to the, to the business do you know what i mean i think it is really important because otherwise you don't you do the day-to-day -day stuff you do the firefighting stuff but you don't necessarily 
reach those overarching goals. And, and we, we found that in the early days, do you know what I mean? We didn't have that overarching strategy because I was a teenager <laughs> running a business, basically. I was 18, 19, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, so you, you learn those things in, in the beginning. And if you don't, your business won't grow. Do you know what I mean? And we did find that those early, those early days, it was, it was much slower. Do you know what I mean? Because we didn't take ourselves up out of the, the day-to-day and say, well, what, what is it we're trying to achieve here? What is our, our end goal? And as you say, the accountability piece. So we've, you know, we, I, I really feel that that's an area that we've fixed for want of a better word. Um, and, and it's something that we will keep within the business, I'd say, permanently. Do you know what I mean? I don't see us yeah. um, getting you, rid of, of our coach or, or, you know, similar accountability mechanism. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, uh, it's helped you uh, speed up uh, what I would say hitting those goals that you've set for yourself. And um, mm-hmm. one of the other things you say account, uh, is accountability. It's a word you've repeated a number of times. Um, I know for myself, uh, I work best when the fire is at its hottest underneath my ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Until then, I'll probably not, not do much about the task yeah. unless um, I've got, I've held someone else accountable, which is nuts that I'll do more for someone else than for myself. Yeah. Crazy. You know, I yeah. have a coach that I, I noticed myself putting, putting on a few pounds, had a coach and he holds me accountable to going out running. I could do the mm. runs myself, but knowing that I'll get a call from him, but I'll go yeah. out, holds me accountable. Yeah. Um, we do these Absolutely. weekly meetings called canny meetings in our business. Uh, they're called continuous and never ending improvement. So you pick a topic and for two hours. It's the only thing you can talk about and you dive deep into it to kind of uh, push the needle forward in that specific mm. area. And we have a timetable of each theme or focus on each week changes a lot with, with COVID as well. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of the reasons we started working with this new, new coach was, was through COVID um and just changing changes in our focus do you know what i mean and and just how the methodologies he used was through a um through one of the local enterprise um boards mm. and um how, just how he focused us in on things we found really valuable so we we well, kept working with him afterwards do you mind me asking what, what what were some of the things that you with the change of covid because i know that you've mentioned that you've been kind of working virtually uh, for the last decade what were some of the things when covid hit that you said you obviously mentioned earlier on the podcast and around being there to help your clients but what were some of the mm. things that you didn't expect to hit you that hit you um yeah i think that's an interesting question um well i think like everybody else initially we panicked <laughs> you know? so there was that there was that initial panic of like oh my god what's gonna happen and everybody just went you know and stopped spending money and i think we had a similar reaction do you know what i mean and um, we had some plans that we sort of put on hold you know should we hire people should we not should we expand this part of the business or, you know we were about to do this should we hold off you know, so there was that initial sort of, I think everybody did that a bit in March. Everybody just sort of freaked out and retracted in a little bit into their shells and just kind of went, let's just see what happens here, you know, because it was the first lockdown. It was the first experience for everybody of that. Um, but then I think what we didn't expect for us personally was just how busy we were. Do you know what I mean? And again, wasn't always with, with, with billable work. Uh, sometimes it was just helping current customers with with various uh, challenges of working remotely mm. um, and just being there for our customers, but trying to be there for so many customers at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Normally, <laughs> our support requests would be fairly, you know, they'd kind of take over at a similar level. Do you know what I mean? And suddenly everybody was in the same boat at the same time. And so 
um, that was, was a challenge. Do you know what I mean? But it was one that we just had to face and, and figure out. Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing your hours were were much longer than usual. Then just trying to cope with the number of people. Yeah, and and it and it was that. Um, you know, I'm actually I'm doing a, I do weekly videos. Um, and I'm, our, my first one for 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 this year is. I have it up on my, my whiteboard here, uh, working from home, lockdown versus reality. Because, you know, one of the things I've noticed with people is that they think that working from home or have assumed that working from home in the current environment is normal. And it's not. Do you know what I mean? I've been working from home for, for 10 years and the last year is very different. It's, it's not how it normally is. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, you, you, you would normally have social interactions with your friends and yeah. you would normally meet them for lunch and go for coffees. And, you know, you, so there's and, and there's a global pandemic. So there's that sort of our window of tolerance for things is, is less because we're all dealing with this extra pressure. Um, so I think it was important for, for me to, to think about my own sort of work setup and my my partner was working from home and my, my kid was at home at the start as well. So when he was homeschooling as well. So we all had these extra things that we were dealing with. And just to take stock of that and say, like, you know, it's OK, you know, it's OK to be a bit stressed about this stuff um, and to try to figure out personal ways to cope with that. I, I got into the habit of going for a walk every single morning. Um, which was something before I kind of did haphazardly, but with COVID, I was like, no, I need this. I need to get out. I need to have this exercise to, you know, to, to depressurize during the day, because normally, although I work from home, I would be in town maybe a day or two a week. I would be, you know, meeting up with clients. I'd be going to Google, you know, so those kind of yeah. things were gone um, during the lockdown. I think that's really the, the difference uh, for a lot of people and sort of making sure that you take that headspace, you know. I yeah, great point. I think I said it on one of the previous podcasts. If I have, if I have, I'm repeating myself. But I've seen some people. It was an American colleague said to me that uh, some people are getting in their cars, driving around two or three blocks, and then coming back at the start of the day to feel like they've done yeah. a like a commute to work, a loop or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. What I can t- I totally understand that. Do you know what I mean? Just to sort of we we did the walk. We would drop our when when schools open again. We drop our son to school. And myself and Leslie would go for a walk in the park with the dog and come home. And so I would go with her when I, there was no need for me to go as well. Jimmy would just go as well. And, and we would both go for the walk. And that that sort of felt like us as like a commute and just getting out in the fresh air. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's really important. I, I'd agree with you now. In the past, I would have looked at that and been like, just get on with it. But <laughs> but the changing point for me was... Uh, like everyone else, I was working from home and uh, a friend came to me and said, uh, you've got an office 15 minutes walk from where you live. Mm. I know, you know, it's just a desk here and a desk there, but yeah, yeah. for a week and, and, and just walk that 15 minutes to the office, walk 15 minutes home for lunch, back and mm. forth, and it will make a huge difference. And it has. It's made, it's made a huge difference. Yeah. Just that separation from work from, yeah. from home. When I got home, I switch off. I tried to switch off and watch sure. Netflix yeah. or whatever or hang out with my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and also now I get those 15 minutes times four. I get an hour where I just listen to podcasts. A lot of people might listen to podcasts like myself when they're at work. And if you're being honest with yourself, you can't really listen to a podcast and work at the same time. So now no, I have, no, like, it's music. Yeah. Just focus on the podcast now for that hour which is amazing. Yeah. One of the things you said was your YouTube channel. You mentioned it. Um, I checked it out 
I would recommend anyone else going to check it out. It is great. You're growing at a good rate organically as yeah. well. I noticed that on your video that you put up less than two weeks ago, you were at a thousand subs and now you're probably going to hit 1.2 by the end of this Yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we, we've got a, a good a good clip of, of uh, growth on the YouTube channel. And, and that was kind of an interesting one for me in terms of change in our business that our marketing strategy changed about two years ago where we started doing this video content. And it was because it was something I was interested in. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and it's been hugely valuable to, to, to the business. Um, but we don't, we also, I, you know, I would caveat it that we don't create the videos for YouTube subscribers. That's not our prime, yeah. <laughs> prime goal, but it's nice. You know what I mean? It's nice to see that, that it's a success and that people are, are watching them. Do you know what I mean? Um, our, our goal really is to create content for our customers. And that's, you know, they're the people who are interested in it, you know, which is fine. Um, and it's been useful. Like we, we, I create a video based on a conversation. Usually, yeah. you know, a customer asks, the question like oh I'll make a good video you know and you reckon you can attribute some of the content that you've recorded whether it's linkedin or youtube to whether uh growing within internal accounts you already have or taking on a new accounts yeah so what it does is it does two things it increases our authority you know as a yep. as a um uh, an advisor it advisor um and that's both with customers and with google partners and with uh, google themselves do you know what i mean so it's actually very valuable for our relationship with google as well um and so you know they you know people ask questions of like does this company if i if i refer this lead on we get leads from google you know will they be able to handle it do they understand this topic or whatever and oh there's the ceo talking about that exact topic that i you know this customer has a challenge with so th- you know those kind of things help and then with with uh, new customers, what we find is it reduces the sales cycle time. So it doesn't necessarily lead to a, a, a new lead coming in necessarily. Sometimes it might, but but generally it's that um, you know the customer when we go and meet them will already actually have seen our YouTube channel and viewed a bunch of our content. And so then the conversation is just different. Do you know what I mean? We don't have to get into kind of pitching dams and as much. We just sort of talk about well. How can we help them? You know, so yeah. that's kind of been interesting. And then with current customers, they get great value from it because it's gen- like I said, it's I even sometimes I would share a video and go, this one's for John or this, you know, this is for for Bob, you know, who who we asked us this question last week or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And I would send that video specifically to them. They're like, oh, Finn's gonna make a video just for me, <laughs> you know. Excellent. But but I know if he if that person has a question, then other other customers will too, you know. So um, I think it really creates a lot of value, but it also does take up a lot of time. Do you know what I mean? It is a, it was a decision the business had to make because it's an investment and we, we put a lot of money from a marketing point of view into creating the content with video editors and stuff and content writers. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's an investment in, in money and time. It, it certainly time. is. <laughs> um, and I'm a big believer in it myself, although it is a long-term play rather than a short-term play so oh, yeah. getting into it for a short-term play it's not going to pay off no no um, i started doing it two years ago and it's starting to pay off <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go <clears throat> you know maybe after a year or so you know we, we sort of saw some value in it but yeah you're absolutely right it's not not a short-term thing don't uh, don't don't get into it for for short-term goals you gotta think in years yeah for sure for sure next blind spot i want to focus on is capturing best sure. practices um Probably one of the most common ones uh, out there um, is capturing capturing best practices as we're always trying to make things better. Can you kind of talk Mm. me through how your organization captures best practices? 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, and I think, again, you know, coming back to the accountability piece, it, it's really important to do. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's something that will help your organization grow, you know, as you as you bring in um, new people into the business, you know, having uh, knowing what your processes and things are. And it's something we, you know, we continue to, to, to work on. Um, I think we're, we're lucky in, in one sense because um, as a Google partner, Google give you a lot of their best practices that, that you should follow for like a Google deployment or a, a migration or, you know, so those kind of things are kind of in one sense ticked off for us, which is very useful as a, as a partner. You can kind of go take that and, you know, often partners will stick with most of it. You might say, oh, change this bit or that, yeah. bit, you know, but, but, but it gives you certainly a, a template. Um, I think the harder piece is like your best practices for, you know, you, you'd mentioned we we're talking about this before, like HR onboarding, those kind of things. And that's something, you know, our team has, has grown a lot this year. And that's something that we had to figure out and we had to learn. And we brought in experts, do you know what I mean? We, we, we hired a, a, a HR, HR Suite was the, the company we hired and, and they, they came in and told us, this is how you should do it. And we were like, okay, great. I mean, but people hire us, do you know what I mean? When they want to know how to do a, a Google Workspace deployment and change management. So, you know, I, I would say lean on experts in, in areas that you're unsure of. Uh, uh, same with the, with accounting and things like that. We, we, we have a, a very good accountancy firm, ProfitPal, that we worked and we worked with them for years and they would have helped us with our, our best practices around finance and stuff like that. So, you know, that's, that's really um, what I would recommend to people is, is to lean on experts in areas that, that you, don't, you don't feel you know as well. Do you know what I mean? You don't feel, feel comfortable with. Um, and then yeah. documenting. Documenting processes is probably uh, the, the, the next most important thing. Or maybe you could swap those around. I don't know. <laughs> probably interchangeable. Uh, but definitely documenting processes within the business. Um, and, uh, and particularly a one-man band, a two-man band, as you grow, getting it out of your head. Okay, I've got, I know how it should be done um, as, as, you know, me, Mr. Business Owner or Mrs. Business Owner. But like, if someone came into your business, how, how would they know how to do that, that process? If it's not documented and written down in, in, a, in a public fashion and our, our setup for how we share information in the business is we default to open. So we don't, you know, often companies will say um, with, with documents, they say, why should we share this with employees? We, we say the opposite. We, we say, well, why shouldn't we? So what's the reason we shouldn't share this particular piece of information with an employee? It's HR information for everybody. Okay, well then, you know, you don't share that, obviously. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. a, you know, security, uh, thing for a customer so you know that's only shared with people that need it so but but if if there isn't a reason you know that you shouldn't share then just share it with everybody do you know yeah. what i mean don't if if, if 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 you default to the open form of communication i know it's easier in a smaller business obviously than in a, in a large corporate but but i we've always tried to to um default to that and, and found it valuable yeah they they say that the lines of communication get blurry and get confusing after the 150th hire hire number 151 is where things get, i can imagine that it's, it's hard to it, it re, you reach that point i think even above 100 where like it's more difficult as the boss to go around and know everybody in the school or in the in the, in the company um i'm getting confused with my example there because my example is going to be i moved schools i, I went to to stratford college um first and there, there was only about 200 or so people in the school, two, two, 250. And so I kind of knew everybody. Do you know what I mean? I was one of these people that said hello to everyone in the morning. <laughs> it's one of those kids. And um, then I moved to a bigger school down the road, the, the high school. And it had like a thousand 
um, kids. And I remember being overwhelmed that like before I kind of knew everybody to an extent in the school, but in yeah. a, with a thousand people, it just wasn't possible. Do you know what I mean? And, and the same is true in, in a company. You know, like you say, you get to that 150 point. It's just not possible to, to sort of know everybody, you know, um, well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned documenting uh, as, as one of the things for capturing best practices and you referenced from new employees, onboarding new employees as an example. Um, another example could be, you know, uh, client check-ins. Um, mm. There's plenty of ways that you can use documenting to uh, capture best practices. Can you give me an example of how you've captured best practices in your organization uh, that has that's paid off positively? Yeah, we actually with with the client check-in one is a really good example. We've um, used some of the tools that we sell, like like Google Forms and stuff, um, to to collect information uh, for customers before a meeting. Um, and so we, we've created these sort of client check-ins. Now, we, we had a lot at the end of the year because Google made some changes. I won't go down the rabbit hole of what the changes were. There's a video on our YouTube channel if anybody's interested. But there was a rebrand from G Suite to Workspace. And with that, there was some changes to the sort of SKUs. And so it's stuff that would impact our customers. And we had to meet with a lot of our, our customers at the end of the year. And so we had to organize a huge amount of meetings. And we needed to create a new process for this. Now, it's the process we're going to also use is our, you know as a sort of our new client check-in process and um, we use a tool called notions i don't know if anyone's ever ever come across it it's kind of funny because in ireland um the word notions is sort of a funny word <laughs> a person having notions um yeah. outside of ireland it, it, it doesn't have the connotations but it, it's an interesting tool it's a u.s company um and it's kind of a wiki system allows you to 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 do a lot is it is it spelt as you would normally spell notions there's no yeah n-o-t-i-o-n-s yeah notions yeah um interesting interesting tool i hadn't heard of it before came across it uh, last year Um, and that's been really really valuable because you can sort of embed a lot of information and it can kind of be anything it's a project manager it could be a project management tool it could be a task management tool it can kind of be everything a little bit of a jack of all trades and so that's been very valuable for us for creating the process um, and then we use Google Forms to, to get some information from customers before the actual meeting. And that, again, helps to guide the, the meeting and, and figure out why, why are we there? I mean, I hate meetings for meeting's sake. So if you're doing a check-in with a customer or just having any meeting with anybody, what's the purpose of it? What is the outcome that you want? And what's the outcome that they want? And try to figure that out beforehand, if you can, through email or you know, a form or whatever whatever method you want. Um, because if you have one idea of the outcome and they have another, then, Waste you know, <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're in the wrong place. I mean, very, very obvious for stuff like sales. Do you know what I mean? If you think the outcome of a, of a, of a sales meeting is going to be the, the deal is closed, and the customer thinks it's just going to be some more information, then you're way off. Do you know what I mean? So salespeople are used to try, hopefully trying to align those, those two things, but, You'd but think- I thought, you think we have one would one would one would hope so but not always um but 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 often outside of sales people aren't necessarily trained in that and so i always say like what is the agenda you know always have an agenda um for for a meeting just so everybody's on the same page and people know what to expect and i check in with the customer i say like rian is this this is what i'm expecting the agenda you know get a, a little bit of a mini contract going you know do you agree with this there's anything you want to add to the agenda because i don't want to get to the meeting and then you throw something else in you know but creating a process around that of like the customer having to fill in a form and you know do make some decisions and and 
having that process meant that when a customer, because what often happens is particularly as a business owner, you will get people emailing you directly. I get this a lot at Christmas <laughs> where they know we're closed. And so they won't email support. They'll email Finton because, you know, Finton knows me. So he'll just respond to me. And so as a business owner, you'll often get that. And so having that process meant we could go, no, sorry, if you could just fill out the form, then we can book in the meeting. Um, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, we, we will do that for you. I'm not saying we won't do it. We will do that for you, Rian, but uh, I need you to fill out the form just yeah, so we, we can track it, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's a way of just forcing the process do you know what i mean um and it's you know sometimes that will work to, to an extent but like if you don't if you if you if you say okay for you i'll make an exception i'll do it and then you keep doing that every time and i keep making an exception for you then you're never going to follow my process and that's the hardest part of a process is not is not following it internally, although sometimes you can have challenges with people not following processes internally. But but it, you know if you if you say to people and you say this is how we do it, guys, and everybody agrees. The problem is when you bring in external people, you know your customers or whatever, getting them to follow the process. And and so if people are are rewarded for not following the process by always getting what they want, then you know that's not gonna. Your best practice is never gonna get there. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to document it, but you've also got to you've also got to force it sometimes and say to the customer, no, I'm sorry, you're not going to get support unless you email support. Do you know what I mean? Um, and giving your employees authority to do that as well. That's very important. You know, I know that I may be bleeding into some other areas that we're going to talk about. Oh, no, you're all right. <laughs> you know, like, like if you don't give other people authority in the business to say, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Customer, but you can't do it this way. You have to do it this way. Then if they don't, if they don't feel they can say no, do you know what I mean? Then they'll, they'll go, oh, I'll just, I'll fix that for you, you know, and then the customer never follows the process, so. Well, there was a better time than ever to move on to the next, the, 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 the next stage, um, but before I do that, music to my ears, that the fact that you use uh, an upfront contract, um, it's one of the core things that we teach and believe in here at Sadler, so uh, that's music to my ears. The third area that I want to touch on is learned helplessness. I have difficulty saying that last word. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a nutshell, and a quick example would be a salesperson goes to their sales leader and says, hey, I've got this problem. Uh, can you help me? And the sales leader automatically helps them. Um, not mm. solving anyone's problems in the long term. Uh, initially, they feel like they're solving a problem because they've got you know, a stroke, they, they feel like they've been the hero of the day or the mm. moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the salesperson is also happy because they've got their problem solved, answered, yeah. but it's not helping anyone at all. It's not saying that you said, you know, teach a man to fish mm. uh, and he'll eat for uh, life or feed a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, where I think I said mm. it backwards, but you get what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, Learned helplessness. Why do you think this is so common? Uh, it's an easy blind spot to fix. Super easy mm. to fix. Why do you think it's so common? Um, I think because, like you'd said, that um, you know the the person wants to fix it. Like that, you get the example of the sales manager. And I think in small businesses, you grow. You're used to doing everything. Do you know what I mean? So you're used to being the one as a small business owner initially, if you've started out where you do all of the things, do you know what I mean? Um, and so it's easy to, to default back to that. Do you know what I mean? When someone comes to you and, and you know, I, I think maybe in bigger businesses, there 
could be other you know other reasons but certainly in small businesses i i think what can often happen is the 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 boss person um is just used to being that that person that does it and so when someone comes on and says how do you do this oh i'll i'll do it for you and I'll, I'll just jump in there and you know i haven't necessarily even showed them as you said they've just fixed it for them um and i think it's it's about moving from that position of like just because you're able to do the thing doesn't mean you're good at being the manager you know just because you're good at selling a great salesperson isn't necessarily a good sales manager <laughs> i'm sure you know well, almost every company <laughs> out there believes the opposite but i believe what you say <laughs> um so i i think it's a similar idea that like a, a business owner suddenly has to start learning to be the manager, to be, you know, the, the person yeah. who sort of sits above it. And like, I'm a great delegator. I've always been good at that. Even when it was just myself and Donald, I, I would be, we outsourced a lot and I would find yeah. ways of delegating tasks if I could. And so if you naturally default to that, then that's okay. You'll show someone how to do it. And, you know, but if you're not, if you're someone who, who normally just does the task themselves, that's more of a challenge for that type of individual, I think. What, what 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 role do you think ego has to play in learned helplessness, that disease spreading along a company? And when I say ego, I mean like you yeah. wanting to be the main man slash woman of the hour. I think it can sometimes be that. I've seen the, the learned helplessness where it's where it's not that yeah. you know that it's just the the person means it out of the goodness of the and that you know they it's just how they do stuff. They jump in and they just want to be, you know, they 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 fix it. I think um I probably suffered from that a bit where, where I'm like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. And, and I, you know, ju jumping in too early, do you know what I mean? And I had to learn over, over the years to be like, no, no, I need to give the guys space to, they're never going to learn if I don't give them space to learn. And if I'm always the one doing it, then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe today, Rian, you, you run the meeting, you, you know, um, why don't, why don't you take center stage for this? And, and I think particularly, when customers are used to dealing with you all the time, we, we brought in a new customer success lead uh, uh, last last year. I'm still not used to 2020 being last year. <laughs> yeah, it will take a while. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad we're not in primary school anymore because I always remember the first two weeks of the new year in primary school when we were had to write the date in the top of the copy page. I always got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but do kids even write stuff in copy books? Probably, Probably all on iPads or tablets now. But um, uh, what was I saying? Sorry, the uh, uh, learned helplessness and sorry, yeah, uh, customer success lead. Yeah, so we've we've sorry lost my train of thought. Sorry. So so we new person start start uh, last year, and I and I kind of you know I had learned this from from previous um previously, but but it was putting it into into good practice and saying right you know, I'm not going to abandon you, but, but I'm going to support you here. And then at the point that you feel comfortable, then I'm going to step back. Do you know what I mean? So it's, so this is a conversation, it's a communication between the two of us. And so at the start, I was in all of the meetings, I was running them. And then I was letting the, the other person run the, the, the new person run the, the, the meetings with me, they're supporting. And then eventually when they felt comfortable, okay, I'm not going to attend this one. You're going to run this meeting on your own. So, you know, having, having, again, that's coming back to the process piece. Like that's what we decided to do. Um, but it, but if we hadn't, do you know what I mean? Then it's me always jumping in and not letting the person actually have authority and have, um, ownership do you know what i mean over mm. over their own role within the business and let them feel that they could make decisions now sometimes you can have the other way where company people are just like dropped in us with no support that's not good either it's trying to find that balance isn't it 
um, between the two. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to um, shadow some Sandler trainers in the past as I was coming up into the business when they were delivering mm. uh, corporate sessions with the likes of Salesforce, Oracle, whatnot. Um, and through that, I got to know some of the sales leaders in there. And I was almost like a fly on the wall because I'd be sitting in the back of the classroom watching. Mm. And one of the first times I saw uh, one of the, who I still hold in high regard as a great sales leader uh, do this when I heard the term learned helplessness I said he's doing the opposite of that he's preventing that at his workplace yeah. and I still go back to that example of someone came up to him and they said whatever his name is uh, can you help me with this and he simply just said to them uh, what would you do if I wasn't here today yeah. Yeah. you know work that out come back in an hour we can sit down then it's as easy as that, but I thought my mind went in the, at the moment. I didn't think anything of it, but a couple of years later, when that popped up, I said, Oh, wow, boom. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, a really interesting one. I, I, I heard, um, actually, can't remember the guy's name, it's a, a YouTuber I was watching the other night, uh, researching a, a video, and um, he said that, it, that uh, in their company, they did something interesting where people, if they came across something, that, a task that they couldn't achieve or do, because they didn't want people to not ask for help, but they needed to try hard to, to do it for 15 minutes. So set a timer for 15 minutes and, and try for another 15 minutes to, like to do whatever it was. And then if you couldn't, then you would reach out for help. And I thought that was an interesting way of kind of balancing the two. Of saying like you, you you try to do it yourself, but also don't spend two hours. Yeah, do you know what you I mean. You can't just sit there for fifteen minutes looking at the wall. You have to make some sort you of. You actually attempt. have to make uh, and you have to doc. That was the other thing. Sorry, you have to document what you did over the fifteen minutes to try yeah. and fix it, and nice. then so you share that as well. See, this is the stuff I've tried, Rian. I you know I, I sat down. I tried to do it fifteen minutes. You know what would you you know? And so you're 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 helping people to start to look from the other perspective. They know in fifteen minutes they're going to have to go and ask their colleagues, you know, and so they know they're going to have to document it and think about it from those other perspectives because yeah. they may come back and say well you know have you done this have you done that i have yeah you know so i thought it was it was an interesting interesting way of of managing that you know yeah particularly in a large organization they've got an advantage they've they've got their peers at their disposable you know at their disposal yeah. at their dispense they've got their peers um we'll we, we, we'll move on uh last sure. blind spot i want to touch on tying corporate goals to personal goals kind of Teeing this up for you um, in, in, in a nutshell, um, uh, people work harder for their own reasons. And yeah. one example here would be if uh, you're talking to a sales rep and let's say uh, the maximum of commission they can make that year is 100,000 and they're a top performing sales rep and they hit 100,000, uh, tying the you know corporate goal to the personal goal will be talking to them about you know, like what are you going to let's say you hit your your commission you get your commission of a hundred thousand what are you going to spend that on and then like reminding them and holding them accountable but like tying the knot between okay you get a hundred thousand so what but when you get a hundred thousand you're going to spend that on buying a new really house cool, uh, buying a new house or, or a really yeah. new car or whatever it is or something mm. for your family put your daughter through college um yeah. You mentioned that this is why you set up the business the way that you have it. So I'll kind of give the floor to you. Yeah, I think it's a it's an easier one for me to answer. Yeah, <laughs> De definitely as a business owner, and and you know you'd hope most business owners would would be able to to tie these two things together. I think if you're if you can't, then you have to question why you're running that you know 
your business or, or run the business the way you are. Uh, and, and I have to say, it, it didn't always. Do you know what I mean? We, we set up the technology business, as I said, when I was much younger, I'm 37 now, um, and set the business up when I was 19. And at the beginning, it sort of did what I wanted. And then in the middle, it didn't. And that was why we paid pivoted and and myself and Donald sat down we we looked at the cloud and and how that sort of worked but what we were what we were really doing was before we were we were sort of doing very traditional IT maintenance and we were going out to um, businesses and to schools and stuff and we were um, setting up servers and networks Mm -hmm. and all the very sort of traditional IT stuff Um, and really we were saying if we were to set up a business again you know what would we want it to to be and do do you know what I mean And, and again you're going back it's a different conversation now, but you're going back over over a decade. And <clears throat> we wanted a business that we could run from anywhere. We wanted a business that we could work from home, that we didn't need an office, that if we wanted to even move countries, it wouldn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Rather than maybe drastic time zones, you know, that we could live in France or Spain or whatever, and we could still run the business the way um, that we do. Um, we wanted uh, flexibility. We wanted... You know, we were both, you know, starting to have families and kids and, you know, houses and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we wanted the business to support us both financially and emotionally and, you know, um, the sort of work-life balance and all that kind of thing. So that, that was where we started and, and sort of dams and cloud was what grew out of the business that we had and, and those goals. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was tying those, literally tying those two things together um, that created the, the company that we have. So now we have a, 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 a business that we can run from anywhere. I just need my, my laptop here in front of me um, and an internet connection and, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we, we have been very particular about the business that we have grown, the customers that we've taken on, like the story that I, I tell about our customers, we used to have nearly 250 customers at one stage and we got wow. rid of nearly 200 customers. And You're going to have to talk me through that. <laughs> yeah, people often go, what? What do you mean you got rid yeah. of customers? And um, we did the 80-20 rule and 92% of our revenue came from 50 clients. And all of the other customers, the other 200 or so, were smaller businesses at the time that we'd taken yep. on in the very early days. Um, and, and really, it's about it's, it's not about it being a negative for the customers um, because we weren't adding value for them either. They weren't, the, the 200 customers that, that, that weren't adding value for us, also we weren't adding value for them. So it was about finding for them a, a Google partner or an IT company that fitted better with with their goals as well. Do you know what I mean? So now for us, we don't work really with, with companies at less than 50 employees. Um, most of our customers are in the hundreds, if not thousands of, of employees or, or users as we kind of call them. Um, and so we were very particular about the, the companies that we, we started to, to work with after that. Our business, after we did that, our business reached a point where the recurring revenue from the business covered our costs. And because we didn't have an office and we worked from home and, you know, it meant our cost base was extremely low and that was all on purpose. Um, and the recurring, you know, building a recurring revenue business was the most important thing to us. That was, that was what came out of, as I said, the discussion with myself and Donald, of what did we want our business to do? We wanted a business that could have a recurring revenue that we could build year over year over year. Um, and you know, like the, the recurring revenue in, in the business when we merged with Raheem's company, um, which was 
of his eight, uh, I'm terrible at times, so don't quote me on it, but something like eight years or so ago. Yeah. It was only like 60 grand or something like that. That was the recurring revenue bit. And the recurring revenue part just went over a million, you know, um, about two years ago. So we've, we've reached a stage now where the business is probably going to do two million this year in turnover. Um, and we've, we've half a dozen staff and, you know, we're still all working remotely. Mm. Um, and that's how, you know, th- that's the business that we foresaw all them years ago. Do you know what I mean? It's taken us a long time to, to get here. Um, but, but it was about thinking of those personal goals and thinking of those business goals and what we wanted our, our business to, to help us achieve in our personal lives. Do you know what I mean? Which is, which it's yeah. now doing. Well, um, yeah, but I think it's maybe harder for for employees. You know, you've got to do the same thing then for your employees, and yes. that's that's more difficult. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, because they're not they don't necessarily have the same buy into the business, and and they shouldn't. I mean, that's okay. It's also accepting that like uh, uh, an employee is not going to love and and you know want and sell for your work as hard as much for the business as you will. Yeah, and that's okay. Do you know what I mean because? You've, as you say, you've got to tie it to their own personal goals and yeah. what is it they want to achieve. So we're big into continuous learning. Our parents are both teachers. And so we come from an education background. And so for myself and, and Donald, we've all always improved our own skills and things like that. But it's something we've done from day one with our employees and said, like, this is your, you know, this is your, your, your path for your professional yeah, your path. Roadmap, yeah, you know, yeah. does this align with your goals? And is this what, you know, we'll, we will support people in terms of paying for education and giving them time off to learn and helping them get Google certifications or other certifications. But we also say to people, um, you know, to staff, go off and, and find um, courses that you might want to do and come back and say, you know, just bring them to us and say, hey, uh, Donald Finton, I'd, I'd be interested in doing this. Does this align with Damson's goals if I do this course on, you know, communication or yeah. sand, Sandler training or whatever, you know, whatever, the, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, and, and having that open communication and conversation that like people can do that, that they can bring ideas to you guys and say, I, I'm really interested in this. Would would this tie in with the business? Because I mean, the business owner, you can tie it in. I, I was interested in video. <laughs> so I, I said, hey, I think Damson should get into video because I'm the business owner, so I can do that. But like giving your 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 staff agency to you know to to a degree to do the same thing um is is great, you know, and that, that will help, as you say, tie in their personal goals with with their work, which is you know, we yeah. spend so much time at work. Like, why not? Do you know you what I mean? Certain, it should be. You spend a hell of a lot of your life at work, so why not enjoy it? Um, mm. Hats off to you, Fintan. Um, you've, uh, you know, I know you're in your second decade of of Damson, um, but uh, you've you've achieved year on year growth for the last number of years, and you've set up a really nice business. So hats off to you for that. Thanks. Two quick yeah. things I want to touch on before we finish up. First of all is 2021 goals. I know you touched on your, uh, you said revenue of 2 million. I don't know whether that was 2020 or that's 2021, but what are your 2021 goals? Um, can I, can I call you after my meeting with Jamie tomorrow? <laughs> when we set them. Um, I think I, I have some of my own ones and, and sort of, uh, we haven't sort of solidified them. As I said, we're, we're, we are actually having our meeting yeah. tomorrow with our, our business coach. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I want to grow the business. And um, look, we had 
incredible growth last year. Um, we had 40, 40, 50, nearly 50% growth in, in wow. revenue last year, which is uh, astounding. Um, I would hope for, for that kind of growth again, but also in the current scenario, I don't, you know, I don't want to presume either. Um, I don't think, I don't think any of us can. Um, I, I, I think for, for ourselves, yeah, it would be obviously continuing to see the, the business grow. Um, that would be, that would be a, a, a number one goal. Um, we want to grow our team, you know, in particular areas within the business where we need more, more people in the kind of sales and, and marketing area for any sales and marketing people out there listening. <laughs> um, and we're going to be growing that, that part of the business definitely. Um, and, and so I think they're, they're kind of the, the core things that we're, we're working on. And then, you know, some of those other areas we, we spoke about the, the blind spots and other, some of the, those blind spots that we have, do you know what I mean? On your, your kind of list. Um, and we're all about continuous improvement. You know, we're, we're the type of business that like we help organizations with digital transformation and change, and we help them look at their processes and improve them. And it's something that we do internally within our own business all the time. Yeah. Um, so I want to continue to work on, on that and continue to, you know, to, 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 to grow our team, but also to look at ways, you know, and, and take feedback where we can, that we can improve um within within the the business and then out, outside of of that i think we've been very big within um we're very very focused on working with other google partners so um mm. we actually set up the the global cloud partner association which is an association of google partners around the world and we're big on on getting other google partners to work with each other um and uh, something i actually mentioned in my my rap video that we had uh, at the end of last year that, that that has been a huge success and has been a huge support um this year for, for or 2020 sorry <laughs> for, for for ourselves and for many other google partners so i think uh, another personal goal for me would just be to kind of grow that out um and and expand that so that we've cool. got more partners involved in that and more businesses that are, are working within it because often it's it's people who are really competitors but trying to get them to think of okay you're my competitor but also you can be something else do you know what i mean yeah well i'm sure you gave those 50 clients you got rid of to 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 some of them yeah yeah 200 clients we got rid of actually. 200 so you kept 50 yeah <laughs> um so we've got about 90 seconds left, 60 seconds left. And something that uh, that came into my head halfway through this was the first interview was what a guy called Pierce Dargan. His family owned the Kildare Stud Farm. Uh, yeah. He set up secret street tours as like a thing he does voluntarily outside of his business. Mm. I noticed on your LinkedIn, in the volunteering section, you have chairperson at Educate Together and also you're part of Common Purpose Ireland. You want to give me kind of breakdown on one or both of those just to give a yeah sure a shout um, out yeah i mean educate common purpose is is a really brilliant organization non-profit um they do leadership training anybody interested in in leadership training i'd i'd highly recommend that they take a look at common purpose educate together is something that is very close to my heart because i went to one of the first educate together schools and my mom was principal of of one of the early educate together schools um, as well and it's an organization that i i try to support um as much as i can so for those of you outside of ireland educate together is the second largest provider of primary education in ireland um wow. and uh yeah they they provide a they have a learn together program so they teach all religions call teachers yeah. by their first names no uniforms so it's a 
it's an interesting um, it's, it's, it's an interesting group of schools uh, and I send my son to certain things have come full circle my son now goes to an educated school, school and, are they are they they're, they're not just a Dublin Cork Galway they're more common than that um, they're yeah they're all over Ireland uh, okay. and they've actually set up one or two schools in the UK as well they've started wow. to export their yeah for the for the first time I think it was maybe two years ago um, they they started to export their sort of methodology or, or yeah 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 idea. Um, so yeah, very interesting organization as well. So excellent. Well, I'll leave a link. I'll leave a link yep. to both of them below. I'll also leave a link to your YouTube, which currently just below 1.2 thousand subscribers, and obviously your LinkedIn as well. <laughs> uh, and thank you for your time today. Thanks very much, Rain. Appreciate you having me on.